Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. We're talking about purpose, and, uh, and I've been doing, I know I like to do icebreakers on Wednesday nights so we can get to know some people. So today, I'm going to use one person that I already picked out in my head. He doesn't know this, but Miss Ayala, could you come up here? I'm, I'm going to put Miss Ayala on the spot. I know he can handle it. Wait, he just got really sweaty though. Is that from playing drums? Okay, great. This is Miss Ayala. Hi, everyone. Hey. Um, re- real quick, um, when, we, when we felt led to come to New Bedford, I had five people in mind to ask to come with me. And Misael and Adriana were one of those five. Um, and, and so for me, having this guy here means a lot because you want to do ministry with people that you know gets what we're trying to do. That they're not going to be high maintenance. They're not going to be divas. You know, not that we have those in church. Uh, <laughs> but people that you know, like, they understand the mission. They understand the goal. They understand what we're trying to do. And so when we knew we were coming, I, I started praying. I said, God, give me some people. And those were the first people that we had at our house. Remember that kitchen? And we had that conversation. And he, he didn't want to come, to be honest. You can tell him the story. Go ahead. I wasn't going to come. Uh, so we, we, we did ministry uh, together. We did young adults ministry. And we always talked about We thought we were going to Providence. And I was like, I live in Providence. That's cool. I'm coming with you, Pastor Marco. <laughs> and then when they said New Bedford, I was like, where's that? I'm not going there. I'm I didn't even know. Where, I've never been to New Bedford in my life. So then um, we were at his house, and sometimes God puts the words in your mouth. And I, all I remember is I don't even know how we got to the conversation. I'm like, hey, if you need a drummer, I'm there. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> we got, I got in the car, and my wife's like, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the words just came. <laughs> Here we are. That's awesome. And where, and where do you live now? In New Bedford. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so we've been doing ministry together for how long now? 2011 or 12, maybe earlier. Because you came in, I was still the youth pastor. Yeah, it was, I, I started going to New Life in 2010. Um, and then I kind of hid from the young adults ministry because I had a bad experience with Pastor Mark before that. <laughs> Um, he used to do. He used to do uh, like like young like uh, like youth high ministry, school high school ministry. And I went to a, a, a. I used to go to another church, and I came to visit one time with my cousin because they had games and snacks. And I was like, it's cool. And uh, I see this guy come out. And he's out today. There's no games, no snacks. We're gonna have an altar call, and the message is called window shoppers. There's people coming into this church that, that have their own church. And I'm like, okay. So the first time they told me about the young adults thing, I'm like, yeah, who's the pastor? He's like, Pastor Marco. I'm like, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's scary. So. You guys know I don't, I don't, like, I don't like church hopping. <laughs> I learned that. I learned that. The so title of the message today was window shoppers, window right? Window shoppers. Yeah, yeah see, I don't like window shoppers. Either you're buying or you're not, right? <laughs> but so we've been doing this for a long time. We, we used to go to a University of Rhode Island and do a service there. And Miss L was actually a student at URI. While we were doing that, and um, we had some some really good times there, and also some some really tough times there. Um, but but I want to ask you this: when did you when did you start playing the drums? 
I started, she's um, like real drums. I started when I was probably six or seven, um, but I've been hitting pots and pans since I was a little kid. So, <laughs> so I started really young. And when did it shift for you when you knew, like, this is more than just playing drums, this is ministry? Honestly, um, for a while I played, I played drums. All th- I've been on a worship team since I was probably 10 um, at my old church, and it was just drums. And I think when I came to New Life, oh, thank you, Romina. When I came to New Life, um, it was actually Pastor Steve um, who really, Pastor Steve and Pastor Nancy that really pulled out the worshiper in me. Um, and I, I was real proud before I came to New Life. I was a hot shot drummer. And then Pastor Steve really poked at that, and he pulled out the best in me. And, and, it, and then Pastor Nancy is just a worship, you know, beast. So she, she taught me that it's more than just playing drums. And so I, I'd say playing at this church has really taught me the importance of, of worship. Now, what do you do for a living? I am a project manager for a construction company. Okay. And, and, and how do you balance family, work, and church? <laughs> uh, God. It's <laughs> a good answer. Nah, uh, I guess the, pra- the practical way is um, I've always, so I, 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 uh, when I started this career, I knew how demanding it was, um, but I've always told myself that God's my, my resource, not the job. So if it ever comes in the way of what I'm doing here and it ever comes in the way of my family life, um, I will never compromise those two. So it's, it's a nice job. It, it pays good. I, I, my family's not struggling or anything, but if, if at any moment I feel like this is and my family is, then I'll, I'll leave it. What, um, oh, we want to clap? Go ahead. What, what has been um, some of the greatest lessons you've learned in these last four years since we've been here? Um, for me personally, it's been um, understanding the, the patience in the process. Uh, so even coming here, I was the drummer in, in Smithfield, in the campus in Smithfield, and I had a nice thing going. I was the only drummer there. It was kind of like, you know, this is nice. There's like 1,200 people coming to this church, and it was nice. And to leave that and to come here not knowing what, what was going to be here. And I remember we had like three rows, and in the moments, you have to think of what God is promising. Um, you may not see it in front of you. And I know for me personally with, with the worship team and everything, We've had a lot of changeover, a lot of different people come in and out, and it's all been awesome because in the moments, God uses certain people in certain moments. And if we look at if we look at the moment right now, it doesn't all make sense. But when you look at it from a from a step back, when things settle, it's like wow, like God has a purpose for every single life, every single moment, every single experience that we have. There's there's a reason for all of it. It's 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 all a calculated chaos. We're talking about purpose, right? What's what's a win in your book? A win, like as far as in life, yeah. In what's life? what's a win? Um, I actually had one a few weeks ago. We had the men's uh, a men's camp, the men's camp out, and I brought my son, who's two and a half. And anyone here that knows my son knows that uh, 
he demands attention. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the nice way. Um, but it was pretty cool. Like, he was off the walls all day, and then we had uh, worship at night around the bonfire, and um, I grabbed his little ukulele hoping that he would just sit and be calm, but he actually wanted to stand next to me and Elijah, and he worshiped with us the whole time. And the whole time I'm looking over, and that was, it, it meant so much to me to know, you know, my kid's growing up in the church, and, and he's learning what worship is. And, and I thought it was cool. He was just looking up at Elijah the whole time, and I'm like, that, that's awesome because that's what it's about. Like, I'm, I'm a guy, but for him to see other guys doing the same thing that his dad's doing, it's important. Awesome. Have you read The Purpose Driven Life? Yeah. You did? Yeah. You sure? Because you don't read, bro. Like. <laughs> Audiobook. You listen to it? I listen to it, yeah. Okay, great. So I'm not, I'm not going to give this to somebody else then. Yeah, All right. Else. I have two hey, in my home. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. <laughs> do we have a birthday this week? Anyone has a birthday this week? Just pretend you do. Someone. You have a birthday? I want to give you a, I give you a gift. This is the book I was talking about last week, The Purpose Driven Life. Happy birthday. Anybody about to have a birthday? Um, yeah, Grace? Grace made a way for you. Yeah. Happy birthday. All right, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Exodus. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. Uh, so Genesis, Exodus. We're going to continue to unpack purpose today. I want to talk to you about what's in your hand. Because that's where your purpose is. And a quick recap from last week, um, we talked about how God's purpose is, is fourfold. There's four things that God wants all of us to experience. Number one is a relationship with him. Number two is God wants to develop his character in us. God wants us to be like him, act like him, talk like him, be generous like him. God wants us to have a function on earth. That's your purpose. He wants you to be part of the family business. He has a purpose for you, and that's your function. So your character is who you are. Your function is what you do, right? And then God wants us to reproduce. Now, some of us get to reproduce physically. Some of us get to reproduce spiritually. Um, and, and he talks about that, that, that he wants you to be fruitful and multiply. So this is the fourfold uh, purpose that God has for us. And I want to unpack this a little bit more by looking at one man in the Bible named Moses and how his purpose came to be. Uh, in Genesis chapter 5, we pick up. Moses' story. A little bit about Moses. If you never read about Moses, you've seen the, you've seen the movie. Um, hopefully, you've seen the Ten Commandments or you've seen the, the animated version, which is so cool. My kids love the animated version. Um, but Moses has an interesting story because Moses grew up uh, as an Egyptian, but he was an Israelite that happened to grow up in an Egyptian home. And then one day he begins to realize that, that this is not home. And Moses has an altercation with someone. He ends up actually killing someone by accident, didn't mean to. And he flees the country as a fugitive now. And he sets up in this, in this desert called, called Midian. And he starts a brand new life. And so we pick up Moses' story later on. Better uh, fact, some people say he spent about 40 years in this Midian desert before he has this moment with God that shapes his purpose for the rest of his life. So, 
So we're picking up the story as God has revealed himself to Moses through this burning bush. God begins to speak to Moses. And they go back and forth about this situation because Moses has settled here. In other words, he thought this is it. I'm going to be a shepherd for the rest of my life. I have a family here. I'm going to settle here. I'm going to die here. Um, And I've told you that God comes to disturb the slumber. Okay. The goal is not just, hey, you're saved, you go to heaven. No, the goal is you're saved to be awoken to a purpose that's bigger than yourself. This is where we find Moses. God is trying to talk to him about the fact that, Moses, I spared your life when you were a kid because I had a purpose for you. When we went to the jail ministry this week, a guy told us he's died four times. Four different times. And we're like, maybe God is trying to tell you something. (laughs) Just maybe. The first couple of times. Four times this guy has died. I'm like, man, if you're still here, God's got a purpose. You know, maybe you didn't die physically, but, but we all have died spiritually. We all have died emotionally. And God is trying to wake us up to a deeper purpose. And this is what he's doing with Moses, and this is what he's doing with us. So they're going back and forth about this because Moses is like, oh, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. I don't know if I can do this, right? Because God's like, I-, I want you to go back to Egypt. Remember, we talked about Egypt being a symbol of sin, right? God sets you free from Egypt restores you, blesses you. But then he's like, the goal is to go back and reach some more. The goal is not, okay, you arrived. Okay, God doesn't believe in saints on a shelf. You ever seen saints on a shelf that doesn't do anything? Like, I grew up Catholic. I know saints on the shelf. It's like, I used to tell my aunt, they don't do anything. And then she gets mad at me. My aunt, they're just there. Someone made that. Someone carved those things. And we're praying to them. Um, I'm not knocking Catholicism. I just grew up like that. But you can read right through the stuff. Like, the goal is not God just, you know, saved you to go to church and feel goosebumps. He created you for a purpose. And this is what him and Moses are having a conversation about. So, so we pick up from, 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 did I say chapter 5? I mean chapter 4. Did I say 4 or 5? Okay, 4. My bad. So, again, we're picking up the story in the middle of this conversation. They're going back and forth. Uh, but Moses protested again, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? You ever feel that way? Like, you know, God, no one's going to believe me. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Some people argue with you about your, your experience. Here's what God says. Then the Lord asks him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? What a great question. A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab his tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform the sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of, the, of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. I'm just going to stop there for a second. I want to talk to you about what's in your hand. God shows up to a man who has settled in life. But God never settled for Moses. See, a lot of times we're settling, but doesn't mean God settled your story. This is why I told you last time. The purpose has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your color. 
It has nothing to do with your education. It has nothing to do with your, your, your background. It has nothing to do with your neighborhood. These are all the stuff that we put in front of God's will for our lives. You know, if we were to take Moses' story and bring it to today, these are the questions Moses is saying, I'm not qualified, not educated. I'm not even an Egyptian. I'm an immigrant. Right? There's so many things that we put in front of the barrier of doing God's will. And so, and so they go back and forth, and God says, well, okay, let me illustrate this to you this way, Moses. What's in your hand? Moses was a shepherd, and they used to have staff. Right? That staff represented much more things than Moses was thinking about in the moment. God was trying to unpack something for him to say, listen, you have a purpose here, and I want to help you understand that Moses' story is also our story, right? Because if you understand a little bit about uh, being a shepherd, there's a few things that this staff actually represents, right? The staff represented three things for Moses. It represented identity, income, and influence, Okay, a staff represented identity, income, and influence. Okay, income. Let's start with identity. Okay, the staff meant Moses was a what? A shepherd, right? That's his identity, right? Who you are determines what you do, right? So Moses is a shepherd. Okay, which means there are many shepherds, but there's only one Moses. Many people do what you do, but only you are you. Right. Is it fascinating? They say now there's about 7 billion people on the face of the planet, but no one is like another person. The uniqueness of God, the imprint of God is on your life. Right? I brought Misael up here just to make a point that, that here's a guy who's a project manager, but also he has a calling. He may have a job, but that job may not necessarily be his calling sometimes. Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're not. Right? But he's more than just that, right? He's a father, as we heard. He's a husband. He's a worshiper. He's a minister. He's a friend. Right? His identity is unique to him. So other people may come and play the drums, but they're not Misael. Right? Right? Other people may come and lead worship, but they're not Elijah. Each one of us have a unique identity, and that's the first thing that God is trying to address with Moses. Moses, I've given you an identity. It's you that I want. I could have picked anybody. Right? But it's you that I came after to do this thing. There are certain things that only you are going to do because God created you to do it. Right? That's the first thing that God is trying to establish here is you have an identity. Right? You may be a teacher. You may be a lawyer. You may be a stay-at-home mom. But you have an identity, and there are certain things that only you are capable of doing. That's why a lot of times people miss their purpose because... Because they're always looking around. That's good. Right? Like the worst part of church for me is announcements time. Because we announce something, we're looking around. Like we're not, like we're not talking to you. <laughs> right? Like when we say something to the city, you're like, oh, that's nice. No, we're talking to you. It's you that God is trying to speak to. There's a purpose in that. But it's the ones who activate the call who get the purpose. Right. You know, if Moses would have kept denying this thing, God would have bypassed Moses and find somebody else. Matter of fact, there's a scripture that says that, that God looks to and fro and say, okay, who can I invest my calling in? I don't know about you guys. I want to be like, put me in, coach. Right? If Misael would have missed out on four years ago, man, that would have been sad, bro. 
we would have been looked back and be like, bummer. You could, this could have been you. You get what I'm saying? Like there's a calling, but you have to answer that calling. What you do becomes a part of your identity. You are unique. You have unique personality. You have unique traits that God gave you, right? It is the, listen, it is the real you that God wants to use. This is what I'm trying to get to. Not a version of you. Okay? Not somebody else's version of you. Not even a version of yourself that you, you wish you were. Right? You have to embrace the identity that God has given you. It's the worst thing to me about this, this time we're living is that we've created this, this avenue for comparisons. So social media is doing more damage than good, in my opinion. Because all we do is compare each other's lives as opposed to embrace who we are and, 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 and embrace our lane and run our lane the best of our ability. Because God's only concerned with you doing what he's called you to do. Right. You know, when Peter and, and Jesus had a conversation, you know, Peter, Jesus was like, man, I'm prophetic and speaking over your life. And they're done. And Peter goes, what about John? Jesus was like, mind your business. <laughs> I didn't make it up. Go read it. John 21. Jesus literally says, what I have for John has nothing to do with you. But here you are focused on John. Right? These are the, these are the first, first disciples. Right? There's hope for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? There's hope for us. Because people say, y'all, man, you said some hard stuff. This guy, though. You know? It's like, no, don't worry about that guy. Listen, I wish I was a little bit taller. We got to stop. Stop singing those tunes. You know, I wish I, I wish I was in a better neighborhood. I wish I, I made more money. I wish, you know, stop. You know, here's what you have to understand. Your limitations is where God comes in. That's the point. That's when you can say God did it. Right? Because if you can do it, you don't need God. Right? And this is the conversation Moses has with God. And, and in verse 10 and 11, Moses says, okay, God, but I have a speech impediment. I, st- 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 I stutter through things. How am I supposed to go represent you? <laughs> That's my Moses. Um, but watch this. Right? This is the conversation they have. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. and My words get tangled. Right? You ever feel that way? Inadequate in some way, shape, or form? The Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, are you telling me something I don't know? I created you, Moses. I know. Like, I'm not surprised. Oh, my. You, you can't talk? Like, I created you. The Lord keeps going. Go, go ahead. Go to the next, go to the next slide. Oh, sorry. We, we can stop there. I don't want to get into it. Huh. Um, listen, whatever your excuse is, God's not buying it. Okay? I told you, God never shows up to a pity party. Every time I'm feeling bad for myself, I never hear the Holy Spirit. And when I hear the Holy Spirit, all I hear is, are you, are you done? 
I'm serious. God, God's not buying into the, 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 you know, sometimes you talk to people, no matter what you tell them, they always have a but. Yeah, yeah but. Listen, y'all have been spending 20 minutes trying to prophesy over your life. You're not going to receive what I'm trying to tell you, but you're going to keep receiving your limitations. Your limitations, write this down, is where God comes in. Okay? Your limitations, where God comes in. What, what, what God wants to do with Moses only through him can he do it. And what God wants to do through you, it's only through him can you do it. I started working on a message for Sunday, and I'm like, Christianity is not hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. Peter, the guy that always talks too much, he said, he's like, Jesus, who can do this? He's like, no one can do this. He says, whatever is impossible to man is possible to God, though. Right? So Christianity is not hard. Right? That's when you know you're in your own self. I'm trying so hard, guys. Like, keep trying. You need me. Right? Christianity is not hard. It's impossible. Okay? We need God to do certain things. Right? Now, we can live a life like Moses. We can, we can live. We can do our thing. But it doesn't mean we're thriving. There's a difference. Right? He could have kept doing this thing. You know, get up, be a shepherd boy, go home pays bills, and then die. And we would say, Moses was a good person. He was a good shepherd, took care of his family, and then he died. You know, but we don't write that stuff in the history books because that's the norm. And I, I think God is about a new normal, doing some new things in our lives that we can say, man, that was God. Like, God did that. Can you say amen? So the first thing God is trying to establish with Moses is his identity. The second thing that staff represents his, it's his income. You know, back in those days, you didn't get paid every Friday with a currency. Your flock or your farm was your income. So Moses' income is wrapped up in these sheep that he has. Right? The more sheep you have, the more wealthy you were. Back in those days, they used to trade. You know, you got a cow, I got a sheep. You feel like meat? We can go. We can go to, you know. You got vegetables. You know. You got crops. We trade. Like that's how their wealth was made. So Moses, his, his staff represents not just his identity, but it represents his income, right? And so God is saying, what you have in your hand is what I want to use. And if you track Moses' life going forward, every miracle God did, the staff was involved. You know the story of the Red Sea? How does God open the Red Sea? He says, Moses, lift up the staff. In other words, what's seeing you right now is what God wants to use. It's not something else that's going to come in that God's going to use. <laughs> Moses uses the staff to lead the sheep. All of us have a sphere of influence, right? So, so you're, this is why I wanted to ask him the question be, about what he, what he does for a living. Because his income is part of his calling. Do you understand that? God blesses you to bless others. Right? God never blesses you just for yourself. Like, matter of fact, when you don't bless others, you're stopping the flow. You basically just plugged the hole of the blessing. When you hoard, God says that it stops right here. Right? And so, and so listen, when you're giving... You're, 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 you're reciprocating what God created you to do. Because in order for God to, Moses to go do this, it was going to take some sacrifice. 
Not just for him, but for his family. For him to go to Egypt, there was going to be some, some income sacrifice here. But the, the return was going to be priceless. Right? What, what God gives you in return is priceless. Right? And so if you're, if you're going to live a life of purpose, you need to understand that your income is part of that. And, and if you don't even have a job, you still have an income. You still are, you have the income of time. You have the income of energy. Right? And you, and you have the income of just blessing people in tangible ways. Right? All of us could be a blessing. And the more you're doing that, the more it's going to be reciprocated back to you. And the more you can actually live a life of purpose. Because the greatest way to live a life of purpose is to bless others. If you read the book, Purpose Driven Life, the first, the first line is, it's not about you. That's when God blesses you. You know, Rick Warren wrote this book. This book is the most sold book next to the Bible in the whole world. But you know what he said? I love, you're going to watch this interview. He said, God knew he can trust in me with the money. Because he knew what I was going to do with it. He said, I made millions of dollars. But my life didn't necessarily change. I changed other people's lives. Right? That's why I told you last week, purpose has nothing to do with money. Because if you are not happy now, you're not going to be happy with the million dollars. You will be, you know, you will have those little moments of peak because you have a million dollars, but you will come right back to where you were in the first place. Because it's not the money that's going to make you happy. Now, if you know how to use it, then, then money becomes a great resource. Watch this, right? In scriptures, I told you, they didn't get paid in currency. They got paid in farming, in animals, right? Well, look what God tells them in the Old Testament about this. He says, when you are harvesting your crops, right, when you're bringing in your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. God's like, use your income to bless others, and I will bless you. Before service today, I was talking to a couple of females, and, and we were talking about how we go to the shelters to bless people. And she said, actually, I know someone who told me, when you guys came, it was the best meal that we've had in that shelter because you guys do it with excellence. And I tell you, that's why God blesses you back. When you go and you bless those, you get blessed back. So, so don't buy into the lie that the church wants your money. The church wants you to be blessed. Because if you don't give, the church doesn't stop being the church. But you may stop the flow of the blessing that God wants to do in your own life. Okay. And, and, and to be honest with you, the people that say God wants their money are the people that never give anyways. I'm serious. They don't even give. So how would you know? Right? How would you know what happens when you are given when you don't give? Right? Like, that's, like, that's like someone that criticizes Brady. How would you know? Were you ever a quarterback? You know, NFL 2K. No. It's, you play the game, then you know the results. Are you tracking? So identity, income, and then influence. The third thing is influence. Moses uses the staff to lead the sheep. Remember, the staff, the goal of the staff was to do what? Just to lead the sheep. Hey, this way, knucklehead. Because, you know, when Je- I don't know if you understand this, but when Jesus called us a sheep, that was no compliment. <laughs> Jesus is like, you're a knucklehead. You need direction. You need guidance. You know, sheep are really dumb. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. 
I think Jesus was like, you know, you, you need this. You matter of fact, sheep, I mean, shepherds would have a staff and a rod. Staff was for the ones that, like, I can guide you easily. Rod was for the knuckleheads, like, you need to get in line. You know? That's why the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know? He was saying, like, the Lord is the one that guides me. Because sometimes I need a little bit of a two-by-four. Like, hey, y'all don't need two-by-fours. Like, God's like, what are you doing? Get over here. So that's his influence over the sheep. All of us, write this down, you have a sphere of influence. All of us have a sphere of influence. There are people who look to you directly and indirectly. I don't know if you caught on yet, but people are watching you. Have you ever find it interesting that non-believers will always come out when you do something wrong? You ever heard this? Aren't you the... Don't you go to church? Why? Because people are watching you. You have a sphere of influence even when you think you don't. People are always watching you. So the third thing that God knows he wants to use in your life of purpose is your influence. And you're like, I don't have any influence. Trust me, you do. If you're a stay-at-home mom, my goodness, you have influence. Whether God's trusting you with one, two, three, four, or five, that's a lot of influence. Think about it, right? How many young kids are in trouble right now because of lack of influence? It's, it's scary. It breaks your heart when you see that r- usually these kids don't want to go that direction. They just never were led. They had no one to say this way. No, you're not going to head this way. Like the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves because he loves. Right? So influence is so critical. Like you have influence right now, directly or indirectly. If you're married, you have influence. No amens. <laughs> If you're working, you have influence. You know, you can be in your, in your marriage or even in your office, depending on how many people around you. You could be the thermostat of that place or the thermometer of that place. You know the difference? You can set the tone or you can just be the tone for good or bad because you have influence. Right? Nothing, nothing worse than walking into a house where someone has set the tone. It's like, whoa, it, you can cut the thing, man. You can, you can cut it, right? Because people, like, set up in their ways. They don't understand, like, you're influencing your house. Why not influence it for the better? Like, some parents, right, they're they always like, I don't know why they never listen to me. It's like, how can they? You're always up here. And then you wonder why they react like that. Okay, y'all, y'all ain't going to. If you play in a team, you have influence. Have you noticed how much teams put a lot of stock into not just the talent, but the character of the player that they're going to get? Do you know how much work that goes into a draft in one player? 
they want to know their, their sociological understanding, psychological understanding, family understanding, because they're like, it's a big investment. Like, is this, is this person going to make a locker room or break a locker room? Right? So it's not just the talent that they're looking at. They're looking at, man, this, this is going to be a problem for us. Why do you think Des Bryant hasn't been signed? Not just that, but you're like, man, the money in, the baggage that you're going to bring in? Think about it, right? That's, that's a company saying, do we want to take this risk? You know, so influence is important. Social media is influence. Right? Like, there's not a day that you don't see someone influence someone on social media. For good or bad. Because it's a platform. Even though it's not real life, but it's a platform that we can use. Right? Have you ever asked yourself the question, should I post this? Like, what's the point of posting this? (laughs) Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to bless somebody? Is it going to edify somebody? Or is this going to lead to more strife or more headaches and more disappointments? Like some people post emotional posts. But it's like, did you think about the repercussions of this post before you posted it? Because you have influence. Right? You have, all of us have influence. Whether we, we, whether we want it or not, it comes with who you are as a human being. You know, my son Kato told me something really powerful the other day. He said to me that another kid in the church makes him want to be a better kid. And I said, that's powerful. Because he needs to hear the same stuff from different venues. That's why we take kids' ministry so serious. Because we're like, man, it's a, it's a sphere of influence. That's why we're very, we're very tough on who can do kids' ministry. Because we're like, are you, what kind of influence are you going to bring to our children? I was just talking to someone who says they might do momentum. I'm like, man, that's, that's a heavy responsibility. I hope you understand that. Right? That God is trusting you to be a role model. To the kids. Right? So all of us have a sphere of influence. Every day we're making decisions and other people are watching. Now, of course, when I say that, we can't force anyone to do anything. But we can certainly be an influence. For good or bad. But here's the thing with influence. I love what Paul said about influence. It's so good. Paul said this. He said, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. In other words, do you know that influence is more caught than thought? Like parents, it's not what we say, it's what we're doing that they're watching. They're smart, man. The kids are very smart. Right? It's not what we're saying necessarily, it's what we're showing that the kids are like, ah, I can get with that. Same thing in your marriage. It's not how much time you say I love you. It's how much time you show that you love. Y'all ain't going to talk to me tonight. Right? Influence is way more caught than thought. I try to teach these guys that are younger in our ministry school. God could care less about your talent. Your talent is just not even number one or two in his vocabulary right now. He's working on your character. 
right? Because you can speak eloquently, but if you don't have character to back it up, means jack. Because people are not looking at what you're saying, they're looking at what you're doing. It's one of my favorite things about preaching in New Bedford, you can't fake the funk. And I love that. I love that accountability because they'll call you out. I love that because I'm like, man, I want this to be real. If it's not real, go ahead, call me out. My confidence is in my character. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's way more caught than thought. I told you guys, knowledge, the Bible says it puffs up. What we want is wisdom to know how to apply the knowledge. Everybody has knowledge. We have more information nowadays. We can't retain them all. Information gets pumped out every single second of the day. But only a few people are grabbing the information and turning it into, into wisdom. How do we apply this stuff? Right? Because I don't want to be the guy that knows everything, but they didn't do anything with it. Influence is what you're doing. Your attitude is an influence. You walk into a room, what do you bring into it? Right? When someone comes into our teams, that's a concern. It's like, what are you going to bring into that team? Right? And I always ask, like, when someone wants to transfer teams, it's like, how do they leave the other team? Because if they didn't leave it well, they're going to bring it to this team. Right. Right. right? And that's why Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. It's like, man, a little yeast will just spread and start being contagious. Right? That's why, have you noticed how, you like, some things are contagious? That's why kids need influence because it's contagious. A kid starts saying stuff like, yo. Like, the other, my, my son was saying, I'm like, what? Come again? Not in this house. You know, would you hear that? Not in this. No, we don't, we don't, we don't talk like that. Right? Because he catches things. He's catching things. Right? And so we have to make sure that, that our influence is leading people somewhere good. It's leading so, like, again, we can't make anyone do anything, but we can sure set an example. And that's what purpose is all about. Right? That's what purpose is all about. So what's in your hand? You have an identity that's only yours. Don't wish you were somebody else. You have an income that only you can surrender it to the Lord and say, use it. And you have influence. You know what's amazing? Sometimes I see it in the church, even as grown-ups, peer pressure is still real. Even as grown-ups. Right? Someone lifts their hands. You just gave the other person permission to lift their hands next to you. Oh, okay, I guess, I guess we're in. Think about it. You, 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 you start talking about the church in a positive way. You, you already shut down the negative stuff. But you start talking about the negative, now you're getting the negative. Come on, join in. Bring your gossip too. Right? And you know how Christians gossip, right? Girl, you need to pray for <laughs> That's how Christians gossip. You know, we have our own Christian lingo about everything. You know, and you know how Christians say no, right? Pray about it. Right? But influence is purpose. Every day, God's giving you a chance to be on this earth to spread good influence. You know, and, and, and now he's giving us platforms like social media to say, what do you have to say? What can you tell the world? You know what I tell our media team every day? Like, 
What can we say today that can disrupt the flow of negativity that makes someone stop to say, wait, look at this. That's our goal every day. When we post something, we're like, how do we disrupt the flow? Because people are just going like this. We're like, let's be that one thing that people pause and say, wait, what is that? Right? And that's, and that's what we hear people say. Like, it was through the videos and stuff that made me be curious about the church. It was through the podcast that made me be How many of you guys were here because you heard stuff on Facebook or, or, or podcasts and stuff of that nature? You know, we hear it all the time. Right? That's influence. We're like, God, we're going to use this thing to influence people for good. Right? So when we tell you guys to post stuff, it's not like the goal is not, hey, look. The goal is, no, hey. Stop. <laughs> Stop. There's something else. Pay attention to this. You know, our goal is to disrupt the mess and hopefully be a voice of grace or a purpose of meaning, whatever it happens to be on that day. What's in your hand? That's what God wants to use. It's not hard. It's just saying, God, I, here I am. I'm available. Use me. You know, four years ago, when we were in that kitchen, did I know all this would happen? No, I just said, hey, well, let's go try this thing out. Let's see what God will do. This is what's in our hand. You know what I mean? You know, as you know, I'm like Moses. I can barely speak English. <laughs> you know that. But you're still here. <laughs> you know? It's not a week that I listen to podcast and go, that, that, is saying, that, that can't be the English right there. Like, no way. That's not English. You know? But, hey, it's my little staff. You know? It's like, God, use it. Have your way. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.